And the next bats, I was like, I'm not doing this. I was too scared. I faked a stomach ache. Yeah. Told my coach, I don't feel good. Cause I didn't want to face. It. I was too scared. And I, I went and told my mom afterwards and she says, you do what? And she called my coach, my coach, uh, as I mean, I'm 10 years old, 11 years old. I had to talk. I had to openly tell my teammates how I let them down. From Viton Career Coaching, it's How I Got Here, a show about business leaders, their resilience, and the stories behind their career moves. I'm Vincent Famvan, and I've interviewed thousands of job candidates over the years in both recruiting and as a former corporate executive. Now, I'm on a mission to help you take the next step in your career. A corporate job opening attracts an average of 250 resumes, and just one person is going to get hired. It wasn't all that long ago that I was nervous and frustrated by my job search, but it doesn't have to be this way. You can navigate your career with confidence, spend every day learning, and drive to better yourself. You can be excited about the future. In today's episode, we welcome back Casey Jacox, who's a published author, writer, speaker, and business leader. And he's going to be talking about his career journey, but this is part two. So if you haven't listened to part one of this episode yet, go back into our podcast feed and listen to part one before continuing on with this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I, I would love to go back and watch film of those nine interviews. Like I'm, I obviously did something well, there was, there was like, God, why is this? He's, he's like a bad rash that won't go away. What's, and, uh, but I, you know, I always say I did something right. Um, I like to think it was maybe being witty or creative or unique, but, um, I just had, you had, you have to like make it, make it fun, make, make that journey fun to how, how am I, cause like all those skills, whether, whether you get into sales or not, like for me, like those adversity moments propelled me to, to have to battle the life of a cold calling or getting a customer on the phone or trying to be creative. I just made it into a game. Like, um, and when you're going to mess up, every call is not going to be perfect. Uh, even if you're the most successful person in the world, you're still going to have mistakes. Yeah. And I think a parallel from between sales and your job search is, you know, in sales, you have, you have accounts that you get really excited about prospects that you get really excited about and then you have leads that are smaller deals or for one reason or another you know it's not a call it's not a sales call that you get excited about and in job searches there's the same there's employers that you really want to work for and there's employers that you know if you were if you took the job that you'd be settling the challenge is that if you don't go through the process of practicing just like you say when the one that really matters the one that you really want comes you might not be as well polished and well practiced as you could have been. Yeah, it, right. totally. And, and, and you have control over that. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what people need to realize. We have control over that. And you know, it, it's just like, just like, you know, the Googles, the Amazons, the Microsofts, like all these companies, that everybody knows, sure. Go work there. But why not? If you're not getting traction there, mm-hmm. the small to mid cap companies, like one of those small mid cap companies is going to turn into the next large company one day. Yeah. Right. And so like, if you're doing what everyone else is doing, sometimes you don't get the results you want to do. So like challenge yourself to be creative. Like, again, this goes back to like being vulnerable enough to talk to your friends, your family, like I'm struggling. I'm, and then let's, let's talk through it. Let's talk about like maybe two things that are working well for you. And maybe two things you might want to try doing differently and be open to that coaching. Um, uh, uh, cause I think, yeah, I mean, so some of the best customers I, I had before I, you know, start working with some of the larger enterprises, there are things that never, no one even heard of. Like, yeah. um, 
So I think that's a great point in terms of broadening your options. You might have had this path that you thought you were going to be on. And as things change, you know, the, your point there in terms of these fast growing companies do become the next wave of larger companies. There's two resources I can think of off the top of my head. Deloitte has a, a Deloitte Fast 500 list that's the 500 fastest growing technology companies. And the other one is the Inc. 5000, um, which nearly everybody has, has heard of the Inc. 5000, but that could be a strategy for uh, working out one of those companies that will become the next large, desire, super desirable employer and actually getting in early there. Yeah, that's a great uh, advice. I, I've not heard of the Deloitte Fast one, but I wrote that down and check it out. Yeah, well, uh, it's a really, really great list. And, uh, you know, it's listing out the companies that on a couple of different metrics are uh, going to be your your rocket ships right now. Mm-hmm. Um, many people, you know, get they get frustrated by the networking. I want to talk a little bit more about you made a you alluded to earlier the depositing into a bank. You know, it's really uncomfortable to go out networking because, uh, you know, it, nobody ever wants to feel like they're being sold to. Nobody wants to ever feel like, you know, the only reason that Casey wants to meet with me is because Casey wants to get an introduction to a recruiter or hiring manager or whoever. So if you're on the other side of that, you know, how do you really focus on building that relationship and getting to the point where that you can make that ask? I think, I think networking is all about the, it's not about you. It's about them. Just like selling is not about you. It's about them. It's not, it's always about someone else. And so everything you do, your conversation, your questions, it's showing that genuine, authentic interest in someone else. Because I've yet to find someone in my 44 years of life that doesn't like talking about themselves or something they're passionate about. So the challenge is finding something there. And even if you're at like a networking event, you don't know nobody. You, you, got, you, you have something, you got a name tag and a company. So uh, you, either, you have two choices. You either sit in the corner and be the kid that never gets to dance. Or you're like, I'm coming to the dance. And I don't want to tell my parents I didn't dance to any girls tonight, dad. So go out and just challenge yourself to ask questions about them. Ask about anything like, Hey, tell me about you. Tell me about your, Hey, I like the name. That's the shirt, just anything to start a conversation. And what happens when you ask one, two, three questions about them. And again, you have to practice these things. The more you do that, the more conversations going to flow, conversations going to start happening. And then use curiosity. And curiosity is sometimes the best skill set in networking because um, now maybe, maybe everyone's not blessed with that skill set, but if you can practice to get better at it, you'll find that uh, more people will want to help you um, because you, you're right. I mean, if, if you go into networking or asking for things and it's all about what you want, people are going to feel it and smell it immediately. Um, and as I look back, and then we talked about this before we started recording, you know, I, I can think of as, as my business grew, as my accounts grew, as my, as they grew across the United States, I had to start just giving relationships away to other salespeople. And some people might say, well, that's dumb. You're giving away money. I'm like, mm, that's one way it's short term. But to me, I'm, I'm helping the customer. I'm helping another rep. I'm sending the elevator back down to help them, which then I'm teaching them. They're going to do that to someone else when they get later in their career. And it, it became just more about, um, the, the broader picture of what I was trying to accomplish, which would always send it back to me. It w- I would always come back in full. Um, so I don't know if that helps answer questions, but some things that came to mind. As you're asking questions to other people, you gave a really tactical piece of advice earlier in terms of asking open-ended questions. Like, how do you get to the root 
of a really meaningful conversation. What I think about when I think about like those networking events is, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. How's your family doing? Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Like, how do, you, I how mean, do you get into like the, because the level two question is like, hey, Casey, you, you know, uh, I hear you like to golf. Like, tell me about, you know, how your swing's doing. Like your level three questions are really where like you end up actually knowing a person as a person. I think sometimes the vulnerability piece comes like, so for example, as you said, the golf thing, I'd say, Hey, well, Vincent, I don't know about you, man, but tell me, tell, I, I've been struggling with the shanks recently. Tell me about, have you ever had, tell me about that. Have you ever had to you know, describe your, your most embarrassing moment on a golf course? Um, yeah. Mine. So mine, I actually, I got a fracture in my hand and I went to my doctor, uh, my primary care physician. And uh, he just said, take a Tylenol. And a week later, I, t- I took a few Tylenol and uh, didn't, didn't help. Went to an orthopedic surgeon and the orthopedic surgeon, before I even mentioned that I golfed, he said, do you golf? And I said, how'd you know that? He goes, because, I, because the exact place where you got a stress fracture, I know exactly what happened. You swung, you hit a tree root, all of the impact went straight into your hand. And now you have a hairline fracture in your hand. And it was really funny because uh, he wasn't even there. And yet he knows my most embarrassing moment on a golf course from just seeing like an MRI and x-ray. Did he, did you ask him if he had that same experience? No, he said that, uh, and actually it's actually now that you're asking this line of questioning, it's a, uh, he made it abundantly clear to me that I wasn't the only one that that had ever happened to. And that there are many other people, his patients uh, who had done the exact same thing that I had done, which, you know, to me, it just, you know, it's super embarrassing. But um, it also, I guess, just re- in that moment, reinforced that I, I wasn't alone. I'm not the only bad golfer out there. Oh, I mean, everyone's got crazy stories. But I mean, but think about like, you, I, I asked them, it spawned you to respond. And now I, I could keep going, but I'm not, because this is your podcast. But I, in my mind, how I'm trained, I just would keep asking more questions. Yeah. E- even when you think you got to stop asking questions, keep going. Because it's kind of like when you're, when, when we're five years old, what's our favorite word as a five-year-old, four-year-old? Why? 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 Right. And yet, um, so I used to train, train salespeople. I said, pretend you're that five-year-old. Tell me more. Describe the impact of that. Explain why that's important to you. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that, how, how, and benefit you if you, if you get that to accomplish it. Tell me, like even like something simple right now. Tell me how COVID's impacting your family. You know, d- describe, describe, are you, are you safe? You know, like there's always the next, like you point level two, level three. And I think sometimes getting confidence to ask those next level questions requires a little bit self depth, depth uh, like make fun of yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm. I found kind of like when we talked earlier about being handy, you thought it was handy. I'm like, no, I, I, I could have lied to you and said, oh yeah, freaking Home Depot hires me as their spokesperson once a month. <laughs> they love people like me because I probably end up buying half the wrong things I don't need. Yeah. And yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's one of the skill sets that uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss uh, was a book that really helped me uh, with that where like, I didn't know what follow-up questions to ask people. And two of the tactics that he actually teaches are just repeat back the last couple words that somebody said. And the other one is uh, to just paraphrase what the other person said and just follow up with something like, well, it sounds like blah, 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 blah. And, you know, it could be, and what's really interesting about that to your point is even if I'm way off, it, 
allows you to be able to correct it. And I think that's where my comment earlier, well, it sounds like that would have made you really handy. And I was completely wrong there. But then it allowed you to open up and actually share and be a little bit more vulnerable in actually correcting, uh, yeah. correcting that. Yeah, totally. Well, and not only do I love that you said that, like repeating. So I, one of the big things I love doing in my career was, um, so when I would leave with a customer, I would always send a recap email. Mm-hmm. So for example, hey, Vincent, thanks for your time. Learned a lot about your company today. You've got some really cool stuff going here. I want to take a couple minutes, just recap and we're role playing this out now all of a sudden. I want to recap what I heard. So please let me know if there's anything I missed or I or, or document incorrectly. And I'd send it to him. I said, just, you know, please let me know. Two things that it, I proved. It proved I listened and it proved I followed through. And I took all those notes from the meeting I just created. Now I put that into my CRM. Saves me some time. And um, it, it keeps, it engages the customers like, wow, versus, wow, this person really cares and wanted to make sure that he, he heard me today. Because what the biggest gap, and not to get too far off track here is, you know, think, think about the time, I'll just ask you, think about the time I'll tell you about the last time you were talking to somebody, whether it's on the phone or in person, when they knew when you knew they weren't listening, and how did that make you feel? Yeah, horrible. Yeah, right. The gift of listening is is one of the most amazing gifts we can give a relationship or give people. So if you're going to be typing in the background when you're talking to somebody, just get get clearance. Hey, Vincent, before we, get, I'm just I'll let you, you might hear the keyboard in the background. It's just I'm taking notes of our conversation. Hope that's okay. Yeah. Again, seems simple and like, well, that's kind of weird. I, I'd, I'd rather get ahead of the things that are, seems common sense that people aren't thinking about um, to not negatively impact a relationship I'm trying to establish. Yeah. And right now, like more than ever, that's actually really great advice for during a job interview. You know, normally when you're interviewing face to face, like everybody knows that, you know, you bring the, it's like the standard black pad folio that literally every person uses in an interview. And so if you're sitting across the table, like the other person can tell that you're taking notes, you're obviously not just doodling. Um, But, you know, on an interview over Zoom where you and I are talking over Zoom, like you have no idea whether I'm taking notes or whether I'm, you know, reading something else or doing a Google search on on whatever unrelated, checking out my Facebook feed. So I I love that (laughs) in terms. I love that in terms of just asking for permission and uh, making it apparent that you are really engaged in the conversation. Um, also, I will also tell for our younger audience out there, I, I'm an old guy. I actually still have an old, an old school watch. Okay. Take your smartwatch off before you interview. Yeah. Take your smartwatch off before you get meeting. Cause what you don't realize if people haven't taught you, I'm going to teach you today. Yeah. If it buzzes, I go like that. And, and I just, if I do that, I just told Vincent that my time's more important and I looks like I got to go hurry up, buddy. Mm-hmm. Don't, it's such a simple mistake. Yeah, Dude. I agree. It's, I mean, it's apparent, but you know, whether it's a smartwatch, whether it's, you know, putting your phone in airplane mode, uh, and even, you know, the same thing holds true for a virtual, uh, interview as well. Um, and what's, what's tough now is like you get the notifications everywhere. So you also have to remember to turn off the notifications uh, on your computer. But, uh, yeah, I absolutely love that. Like, how do you get, so, you know, as you're networking out, you're either rekind, actually, let's talk about rekindling old relationships. Like if you were to, if you found yourself in a situation where you needed to reach out to somebody that you haven't talked to in five years and 10 years, maybe you were close at one point, like maybe they were even the person that sat in the deck's in the desk next to you five years ago, but you just haven't talked to them since. 
Like, how would you let's, go? Let's about role play it. Let's role play yeah. it. All right, let's do it. Vincent, man, it, it's, I am so embarrassed that five years have gone by and I have not followed up with you like I wanted to. And I'm calling to apologize today. And I'd love to schedule time with you to, just to get, just to reconnect. I want to hear about you and your career. I mean, I looked on LinkedIn, you've, dude, like 40 under 40 in Nashville. How the heck do you do that? That's awesome. Tell me about it. Yeah. I mean, when I think through, let me just break apart the things that I've heard. Making it okay and just addressing the elephant in the room of yeah. you haven't talked in five years, taking ownership over that and being a little bit vulnerable and just apologizing for it, even though, to be honest, like in uh, most instances, the apology isn't even necessary there. Then just making it okay that you say, hey, I've, I've seen on Instagram that you've started doing X, Y, and Z. That's really neat. Um, or saying, you know, I pulled up your LinkedIn. I saw that you've now, you know, gone to these or these few places. Yeah. And the last one in there uh, that you're really feeding into is just something specific that you've noticed and getting the other person to talk about something that likely they would want to talk about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you said something earlier that really stood out, which is haven't met too many people that would like that don't like talking about themselves. Like the reality of it in an ask when you're trying to schedule time with somebody else, like comments like Casey, your job, your last job. I mean, it's incredible what you accomplished there. That must have been really challenging. I would love mm -hmm. to hear about what you learned there in that last job, because the reality is everybody thinks their job is hard. I mean, I've, I was at one point, I was a lifeguard. That was a really hard job. Um, every single one of my jobs, like, I don't think I've ever had a job that I would have said, well, yeah, that job was a really walk in the park. What was the hardest job you ever had? Uh, the lifeguard's pretty tough, um, uh, for, you know, physically, actually at one point I had a job where I worked in, uh, a Best Buy store loading, unloading trucks. Although the lifeguard job did involve cleaning bathrooms and toilets and mm. stuff. Both, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> both of those, uh, you know, both of those are tough. And, and what's interesting is throughout your career, you look at that and you go, yeah, I want to get into something where I'm working in an office. And then as soon as you're sitting at a desk for nine hours, uh, as well, you're just like, I don't want to sit at a desk anymore. <laughs> I know my hardest job. I worked at a moving company during college. Oh uh, yeah. Well, at least you didn't have to get a gym membership. Uh, well, funny you say that I did. So I had, <laughs> I, I would, I would work out. I just actually interviewed my, um, the current head coach for uh, central Washington where I played and yeah. I just, he asked me about that job too. And I said, so it's from like getting up at six at the warehouse by seven, uh, -huh. uh truck in the, load the truck, get there by eight. And, and, and I'm not talking like, so that the feeling you get when you move, I have to help a buddy move. Mm -hmm. It's awful. I said, imagine doing that every day, every day. And then imagine like an 18 wheeler. Yeah. You open up the back of the truck and just stuff's falling on top of you. Mm -hmm. Not fun. Yeah. And then go work out at night, go work and then spend wait, time in the weight room, spend <laughs> time trying to go find receivers to throw, catch the football. It was not fun. But I don't, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. I definitely, during the truck loading days, that definitely was my workout. <laughs> I didn't have the, didn't have the diligence to go work out after, uh, after doing that. But, uh, there's a, there's a skill in loading a pallet and wrapping a pallet. Uh, and everybody's, uh, most people, uh, end up learning that at some point in their life. No, um, haven't. tell me about a time where you really screwed up. Tell me about a time where you failed in something, you know, what were, what was the situation? Like what led up to that? What'd you take away from it? 
This is a small example that might seem small, but it still haunts me to this day. Uh, early in my sales career, I was trying to be creative on getting in front of a customer. And I'm, I was working with this as uh, a healthcare provider and we provided uh, IT consultants, technology consultants for them. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to meet with a, their, one of their, I worked with like a director and I was trying to get into this other director who was, I know he used our services. I was so passionate about it. And how I worded the email, I, w- I went too fast. Obviously, I didn't take time to really make sure it was really articulating what I wanted to say. And I, I was like, imagine if you were the customer, you'd be like, hey, Vincent, we work with ABC person in, in this organization. Here, here's what we're providing. I'd love to schedule time to meet with you. Mm-hmm. He took that as, because of my own mistake of writing, he took that as I was, I worked at inside this healthcare provider. Like I, we were in colleagues or employees. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to sound like this. So I owned it. Mm-hmm. It was too late. He was so, he thought I was doing it to be sneaky um, on, you know, trying to, to get in the back door, be a, just by not being honest, which it just rocked me because I mean, integrity, my, my, how people, I like, I like knowing that people like me and I, I had a, I did a good job. And so, but this guy thought I was shady, unethical and was lying. And it was like just three jabs. Mm-hmm. And I, I vowed never do that again. So as fast as I want to go, sometimes you have to slow down to go fast and making sure that, Hey, is this really what I want to, to look to want, you know, not to be like analysis is paralysis, but like that mistake of, and I'll, he never met with me again, never talked to him again. Mike, his name's Michael Hoyer. If you're out there, Michael, I apologize. I swear <laughs> I did, did not mean to do it, but I mean, again, I had a very successful career in, in at the, where I left and, but that's, that mistake still haunts me. So thanks for bringing it back up. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, what, like, what, how did that change the way that you operated in the future? Uh, just slow down. It just, I had to, had to slow down like emails that were really, really important. Uh, this is where I actually wrote about in my book. I talked about sometimes I would take an email or something that was really important and I would share it with somebody who doesn't have as much experience as I did or someone who might not even like, for example, I, I took an email one time to one of our admins. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, I'm, I'm about to send this to, to a customer. Can you take a look at it? Yeah. Now uh, it wasn't all just for show or per- it was a lot of it was, I wanted to, I wanted to give that my, my uh, teammate a chance to be like, wow, Casey's asking for my advice. And, but again, it's about vulnerable enough just because he or she might not be doing what you're doing. Maybe they're going to learn something new or see something new, an outside perspective that might help me get better. And that mistake just forced me to um, know that every customer I'm going after that really means a lot to me, I just approach it like, what if they're your last customer? And I didn't want to have a chance to lose it, lose that, that person. So I think that didn't lose the account, but. Yeah. It's incredible that you bring that up and the solve is so simple. Just a second set of eyes. And like Casey, I know you've been a hiring manager throughout your career. I'm sure you've had the resume or, uh, you know, I struggle to say cover letter, but the, you know, the email with the, the resume attached where there's just, there's a little typo in there. And I'm curious all the time, how many companies that individual job seeker has sent that to? Well, that, and so, um, one of the, the three hardest words in life for people to say, I think, or I don't know, mm-hmm. people don't want to show their gaps. They don't, they want to be perfect. They want, they don't, because their fear of, if my boss thinks I'm not good, at this one, so probably gonna get fired. I stink. I, you know, Asking for help is the best gift ever. And not only is it for you, but it's for someone else. You're allowing someone else to get better, right? And so, like to your point, think about, would you rather someone look at, look at this 
Or now do you want to be judges? God, this is the guy that, oh yeah, don't, don't hire Vincent. He's got typos. He spelled his name wrong. Yeah. Right. I mean, think about the pain and I ask people to sit in it and just visualize it. Is that really what you want? Answer should obviously be no. So um, asking for help. I love asking for help. I still ask for help all the time. It's tough because when you ask for help, there's, there's two different sides of it that you're mentioning. One side is admitting to yourself that you need the help and asking for it. And the second one is that you're asking somebody else for their time. And it could be easy to feel like you're, you're bothering them. Um, on the second one, if you feel like you're bothering somebody, tell me a little bit more about what you mean in terms of it's a gift for them as well. Well, I think it goes back to you're allowing, you're allowing someone to talk about what they know, right? And I think we have to get over, like, for example, when I would first in my biz dev career, when I didn't, when a customer was telling me a technology word or a project that I knew nothing about, I have mm-hmm. two choices. I can shake my head up and down, like, because I want to be smart. I want to be respected. I want to, but I haven't earned it yet. Mm-hmm. I could say, hey, can, can we slow down real quick? Vince, tell, tell me more about what that means. I, I'm, I'm familiar with it. And, and, and before you answer, don't take my... Um, my lack of knowledge on that, that subject. I, I thankfully I get to work for a team where I have a lot of people who've been at my company for years and they know a lot and I wish they were here to answer this question, but I don't. So I'm hoping you can teach me more about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, being authentic, vulnerable, like we all start somewhere, right? You don't have to be perfect. And if sometimes if the customer expects you to be perfect, well, maybe they're not the right customer for, for you, yeah. but the lot, I mean, high percentage of the time over 90%, I know because I can think of examples when I ask questions and slow down, People appreciate it. Mm-hmm. They appreciate because they're not, you're not just going, go, 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 go. You, 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 you truly care. You have, you want to have a vested interest in relationship. You want to have a vested interest in, of what they're trying to say. And it gives someone else a chance to make sure that what maybe is in the job description, they really, really want to talk about or what they really, really want you to know more about. Um, and I think it just takes, again, back to your point earlier about asking great questions sometimes rephrasing or asking something that you don't know, you're giving yourself a chance to ask more questions, which is going to, again, leave a mark of your level of listening. How am I present in this moment right now? Or am I just taking notes and spacing out and waiting, focusing on my next meeting? Yeah. One of the things, Casey, as you know, as a, as a sales leader is, is sales teams oftentimes will track the percentage of time each person is talking in a sales conversation. Just because if you're talking 90% of the time, um, you're not actually getting an opportunity to be able to ask those questions, but you're also not allowing the other person to be able to talk. And job interviews are actually similar. If you're, if the other person only says six sentences, asks you six questions, and they say nothing else in that conversation, chances are that it's going to blend in with every other conversation that they've had. But if you can get the other person just talking a little bit, opening up about something, giving them an opportunity to talk about something that they're proud of or for them to be able to show off some knowledge that they've picked up or talk about their journey at a company, um, it's more than likely they're going to end up remembering that conversation a little bit better than all of the other conversations that they're having. You you just made me think of another story. Do you mind if I share one real quick? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, at the end of my career, we were, me and two sales reps were going to meet with a large coffee retailer. And uh, I did some research on LinkedIn. I found that this gentleman went to high school where my high school football coach left before he came to my high school. Mm. So I was like, and I knew that he was also connected to someone else I know. So I was like, there's my two softball like questions I knew I was going to ask. And so we're, we're in the elevator and, and I leave, I leave the elevator and I go to this gentleman. I say, so you're, you're, you're an old Ram, right? He's like, what? I said, you're, 
where he has this mascot. He's like, yeah, how'd you know that? It's like, well, my, my, you, did you get coached by you know, coach, coach Osborne? He's like, yeah, how'd you know him? I was like, well, he actually coached me when he left your guys' high school. And I saw that you graduated in 1992, which probably meant he, he was the senior year in his last year. You guys won the King Bowl, which is state championship. Or he's like, yeah, how'd you know that? And then I said, do you, do you bench know this other guy's name? Yeah. And I said, well, tell me about that life. How, how, how cool was that experience? The guy talked for like 20 minutes about high school memories playing football. And now we sit down. Now I, the two reps I brought, they don't, they're almost like they're oblivious. They're not even there. And now, but I don't, I mean, I care, but I don't care because who's the customer's talking. Mm-hmm. We get halfway into the meeting. I know we're 20, 30 minutes in. And he, again, he told us he only had 30 minutes to meet. Yeah. We're now over. He's like, oh, man, how, I'm so sorry. How, how can I help you guys? What do you guys need to know? I'm like, well, I, you know, I want to make sure you have a chance to meet our two sales reps that are working with you. I'm just more serving as our executive sponsor, but you know, we're excited to learn about you, share with what we're doing with, with, within your organization and really hope to uncover opportunities where we might be able to compete to put our, our best foot forward. Oh yeah. The guy goes on to fall and write out like almost the entire org chart. You need to go talk to this person. You go talk to that person. Now, was it lucky? Maybe. Was it all because of that football analogy? People may argue. Was it way I handled myself? Meaning, I don't know, maybe, but the fact I was prepared, I, I quickly had commonality, which created rapport, which gave him the trust to open up and share with me things that are going to help us. I didn't walk in because think about like that, that opening out and, and if you're your sales experience or you talk to people, if, if you are, if you're so uncomfortable and already talking about what you do, the business you do, what you sell on that walk from the elevator to the customer's office. How awkward. Don't be that person, right? Use that time. That's the, that's the commonality. That's the rapport type stuff. So I don't know. I, it's, I haven't told that story in a while and you, I don't know why you just thought of it, but I think it, it aligned well with what you just were, were saying. And something that really stands out is that some people, I mean, internet research now is pretty normal. Whether it's a first date, whether it's a job interview, I mean, everybody has these public personas out there. Mm-hmm. Some people are reluctant to bring any of that stuff up, even though everybody knows that everybody's looking at that. In the examples that you're giving, you're kind of just making it okay to be able to do that. Like, what advice would you give to somebody who says, well, I don't want to bring that up because then Casey will know that I looked at X, Y, and Z. Then I'd say if either gonna, you're either going to do it or you're going to let your competitor go do it for you. You're mm-hmm. either going to do it or you're going to let the other person's going after the same job do it. You, you, you know... What, what's the worst that's going to happen? Hey, Casey, those questions are out of line. Hey, Vincent, I'm sorry. My, my apologies. I was just trying to get to know you. Own it. To me, I think sometimes we, we try to be like the phrase fake it till you make it is the worst advice ever. I, 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 I mean, again, my personal opinion, be yourself, right? Everyone else is already taken. So be yourself, be comfortable in yourself. Everyone, we all, and I don't care for the CEO of Microsoft, um, I've met the CEO of LinkedIn before. I, 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 um, Jeff Wiener, before he just stepped down, I met him at a LinkedIn networking conference, 16 of us in a room. I asked a couple of tough questions and put myself out there. He said, man, Case, thanks for your participation today. I mean, someone's going to do these things. Why not you? And so I, I just, I, I don't know if it was, you know, all the adversity and things we've talked about through, through today, but I just... I don't know. I think I, I just learned to train my, my mind that someone's going to do it. Why not me? And um, I think people appreciate the, the level of authenticity. Um, I'm realizing it's something maybe I'm just blessed with, but I just, I feel like it's teachable if you practice just like anything. Yeah. I just think about 
you know, there's so many things that we've talked about that the audience has listened to in this episode. People have more in common with each other than you might think. 100%. And so you will strike out on some of these. Like I'm not the biggest sports fan in the world. And I've gathered from this conversation that you like sports. But there's so many other things where, you know, if you don't click on that one topic, you keep asking enough questions, you're going to find something that that you also have in common with the other person that you're going to be passionate about. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, we're all human. The person you're talking to is living in the same world that you're living in uh, right now. And everybody has families and everybody has uh, hobbies. And, you know, some of those hobbies are pretty broad. But if you get somebody even talking about what they're passionate about, you know, it'll click. It'll click. Well, I'm glad. It's, I love that. I love that you said that. That's it's kind of why um, I started my my podcast, which you're going to be a guest on. I'm excited in the future. Is about um, it's called the Quarterback Dadcast. So whether you're again Michael Jordan, whether you're Beethoven, whether you're Satya Nadella, what, I don't care who you are. If you're a father, we got something in common, and you're trying to raise kids. You're trying to help teach, inspire, keep them out of jail create great employees, create great husbands or wives, create great leaders. Like that's what you have in common. So let's, let's find it. And so what's cool about what you just said is, you know, the power of asking great questions, like you seem like a guy that's got your, your, I'm just looking behind you. Like that piece of furniture is beautiful. Um, it almost looks like a Murphy bed, by the way. It is a Murphy bed. It is. Yeah. There we go. I love those things. Um, did you put it together yourself? I did not. I okay, wish. Good. I wish that I could say that I did, but that one actually came from some Murphy bed website, which I feel like I got to plug them now, but <laughs> I, uh, I bought a black Friday sale and it was, it was great, but it, you know, it takes a space and makes it way more functional than a guest bedroom. Yeah. But yeah, like mean, but again, I, I either choose like, what, what, why would I talk about this furniture in the background? But why not? Right. Mm -hmm. It got you to say something. Now, if you, plug this Murphy bed, um, they're gonna be like, Hey, thanks. Thanks, Vince. I appreciate you doing that. <laughs> you do a quick so. Google search now. Uh, <laughs> I think they literally, Oh, it was called the original Murphy bed company. There we go. Shout uh, out. Yeah. Um, no, it, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, we've talked, we've talked about so many things in this, uh, conversation. So, uh, since you're a sports guy, I'm going to throw out a sports quote, John Wooden, uh, so, you know, I am a UCLA fan he said, if you're afraid to fail, you will never do the things that you're capable of doing. And I think that really, when I think about the conversation that we've had, uh, today, when you call out, somebody's going to do it. Why not you? It's so true right now. They're, you know, under normal times, there's 250 people that apply for every single job that one person is going to get. With everything that's happening in the world right now, you know, those odds are even tougher. If the one person that takes the step and takes a chance mm -hmm. and that really does their research is going to relate, is going to reach out to somebody from their past to be able to get an introduction to a company, mm -hmm. um, those are going to be the people who are going to succeed right now. And uh, I and love practice. That, and practice. And I love that you're talking about it boils down to effort. And practice is definitely part of that effort and, and your attitude, whether you think you're going to be successful or not. 
Yep. Yep. And, and guess what? So you went to school as an econ and you want to get in economics or you got in finance. And so your two choices are sit and keep applying 7,000 times or like Vincent did earlier. I love it. Pivoted. He took a $12.50 an hour job. Doesn't mean you have to stop doing it. Right. But pivot, stay, stay relevant, keep reading books, keep going to um, networking events was zoom. Obviously we can't meet a lot right now, but there's still probably zoom connections you can do. I met an executive coach recently named Paul Howery. This guy's stud coach, VP of HR, uh, passionate stuff. He's writing on LinkedIn about belonging. I think he's doing some unique stuff, but he's during this COVID, he, he had to go out and build decks. Think he really wanted to do that? No, but he's really good at building decks. And he built one all of a sudden, all the people in his neighborhood are like, dude, how did you do that? But he pivoted, right? And now he's going back thanks to some you know, PPP loans that were able to keep him on his feet. So I love that you said that. Uh, I love that you recapped that. I think hopefully it's stuff that people that are listening can take and put into action. And like I mentioned earlier, I think the best advice we all get in life, we're looking for this magic. Let's looking for this. It's got to be an app for that. It's really the, the common sense things that we just don't want to do because they're not sexy, but they're the fundamentals and they're, they're there for a purpose mm-hmm. if, we, if, we, if we remember them. Yeah. Well, Casey, thanks so much for joining us on this episode. Excited to share your book with the audience. If you are a salesperson, uh, this is definitely a must read. It's called Win the Relationship, Not the Deal, Six Common Sense Strategies to Succeed in Life and Business. And if you've heard on this episode, even if you're not a salesperson, many of these are directly transferable into your job search. So worth checking out as well. Casey, how can our listeners connect with you online? Yeah, thanks for asking, Vincent. I think you know, LinkedIn is, is a great way to connect. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, that's where I share content. I, use, I, don't, I don't share like every day because I think sometimes I don't want to be an overshare, but I, want, I share when, it's, uh, when things speak to me where I can hopefully tell a story. I'm on Instagram, on Twitter. Um, I have, a, I have a Twitter for my personal and also have a Twitter for my podcast, which is at the QB Dadcast, which I think you'll probably include in the show notes. But LinkedIn's a great way. And you can always email me at Casey at CaseyJcox.com. Awesome. Thanks again, Casey. Thank you so much for listening to the show this week. If this podcast was helpful to you, the best thing that you can do to support is please consider rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts. This helps us help more people just like you move towards the life that they desire. Visit our podcast on Apple Podcasts, then scroll to the bottom, tap the rate with five stars, and just leave a sentence or two about what you loved most about this episode. You can subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, or you can write at hello at viton.com. I'm Vincent Fanvan, and you've been listening to How I Got Here. This podcast is brought to you by Viton Career Coaching.